All right, welcome to episode four of the Fit and Fabulous podcast with your hosts, Greg Fearon. And Gillian Davis. <laughs> How are you doing, everyone? So, as always, before we get into today's episode, it's always worthwhile just mentioning about anyone that does listen that we do welcome any reviews that we get on this podcast as well. So, just love to hear what your thoughts are and also please share and get people knowing about it. <laughs> really, that's what we want. So. <laughs> So we have, we have a special guest today. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we've got Joe Beale with us today. So Joe Beale is, I know, a personal trainer. Thanks for coming along, Joe. Um, I, I'll just know how I got connected to Joe was through, um, we both did a Jamie Alderton fitness challenge, so transformation challenge last year. And, uh, and Joe was life and soul of that party. <laughs> <laughs> kept us entertained anyhow so uh and um and i got to get a glimpse as well by some of joe's background as well and i just asked her if she'll come along and just be able to share some of that with us and 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 talk about the sort of women that she helps and that we work with as well and maybe her take on on coaching and what she does now too so be really great um so welcome joe thanks for coming thank you very much Thank you so much for inviting me along. I'm very excited. <laughs> also a little bit silly. <laughs> this is not my usual interview space, but um, it's what we have to work with today. So sorry about that. Absolutely. No worries. That's absolutely fine. So I just hope that, yeah, we'll keep going anyhow and just hope the sound will be all right. But hey, it's done. Done's better than perfect sometimes, isn't it? So Very true. Very that's true. what we aim for. But uh, yeah, Job, so... I'm just going to kind of crack off. Do you give us a little glimpse about who who is Joe Beale and 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 how have you come to do what you're doing today? So, um, well, I am a personal trainer and I do online coaching as well. Um, I used to focus just on uh, fitness and uh, mainly fat loss mm-hmm. because um, I have had quite a significant uh, journey through that area um i was uh, i was 21 stone in my 20s and i lost about 12 stone um and then uh kind of through all of that it kind of crossed over a bit with my training to become a pt because i wasn't always a pt i worked in an office um and uh my background is in journalism so i had quite a big career change to get to where i am now which <laughs> is you know i think everything's a transition isn't it really when you look back um i am over 40 <laughs> um and the majority oh. <laughs> the majority of my clients are who um they're not all women uh, but most of them are um i oh crikey i feel like there's so many things and <laughs> maybe i haven't prepared my my background speech well enough Oh, my, that's oh, cool. Where, where to begin? Is that good? So, I, so how cousin? long? Yeah, awesome. No, how, so how long? When did you make that transition for yourself? Then you went from journalism, which was, I imagine, quite a high stress, high powered kind of well, environment to be in, was it? Or well, let me stop you there, Gillian. No, because I am a trained journalist, um, okay. but at the end of my training, I decided not to actually enter the field. So. Um, I I actually backed off before I even became a professional journalist. Um, I, my master's is in journalism, 
and then I kind of dropped I decided to become an academic then realized that I wasn't really a the kind of person who likes sitting on my own in a room very much so I dropped out of my PhD and became a waitress for a few years uh while I tried to kind of <laughs> find a direction for myself um and I moved to London uh because I knew someone there and decided to become a secretary because I didn't really know what else to do and bounced along through office jobs uh, became an office manager and did like lots of organizing things that really you know my heart wasn't in I didn't have any kind of um joy from that life but you know I just kind of worked on doing the next good job and then maybe like moving offices and blah 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 blah. you know it was very like I spent I spent my 20s with very little direction and it was mainly just kind of like bouncing from one job hoping that it'd be better than the last one mm-hmm. um I didn't have a lot of focus and uh, then I had a baby and I decided I wasn't gonna work again um, <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> however after a couple of months of having the actual baby I was like oh my god I really need to go back to work <laughs> and, and so uh, I, I kind of fell into um, an admin job at a fitness clothing company um, which was advertised on a flyer at the end of a Zumba class which I didn't want to go to um, <laughs> so it everything I think you have to go where your heart leads you a lot of the time. And sometimes you don't even realize that that's what's happening until the moment you're actually just doing what feels good. Um, so I, I started doing this little admin job, which actually turned into running a website, which turned into hanging out with a lot of people in the fitness industry which turned into me doing trainings in fitness qualifications and loving being in that environment and teaching people because I'd never really taught anything before, but it was really like, I found it so fulfilling uh, that I wanted to do more of it. And uh, then I discovered that I liked working with people on a one-to-one basis more than like the group fitness kind of thing so um you know I did the qualifications as I went along finding my feet of what I enjoyed and as I started to focus more on the things that I loved um my client base grew with that so it was you know it was really uh it was quite an organic process but it was really driven by the things that felt right to me at the time and you know, when I was at school and when I was living my academic life, I really, um, I was quite fixed and I would say maybe a little bigoted in my outlook that I, you know, I thought academic qualifications were more important and I never really looked outside that area. Um, and when I started doing all of these vocational and physical trainings, uh, it was very, very different. You know, it's a very different kind of learning. I've always been an essay writer. And so to, um, to have to do all these things, uh, you know, with my body and like demonstrate, and it was a really kind of foreign environment, but all of those challenges ultimately were so much more fulfilling. Um, because I kind of, I feel maybe I'd exhausted 
everything that I, you know, I got everything I wanted to out of academia and I got my qualifications and I did love that time. But in terms of application, uh, the things I've learned subsequently have, you know, had more of an input to my professional life. Yeah, cool. Okay. Go Wow, you've kind of been everywhere. It, it, it sounds a little bit like my journey. Like I, I, I decided to go and do a sports science degree and then decided to go and work in home base. <laughs> well, Sometimes you just do what feels right at the time. Yeah. That green uniform never felt right. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, I love the story about the transition and just where you fell into. So the real big one for me, and I, I'm just curious, 21 stone down to 12 stone. What the hell happened? Down to, down to nine. Oh, nine. Oh, sorry. Nine. Nine. Yeah. Wow. It's all right. Don't worry. Like, it's fine. <laughs> That's nine is a bit extreme for me. Like, I'm a bit more comfortable, a bit higher up. But um, what was the question? I'm sorry. Hi. <laughs> so how did that happen? <laughs> what? What? Why? When? How? There you go. Tell me the, the what. Yeah. what was going on. Well, you know, it's really hard for me to answer because for me it is... Um, it's an ongoing process like just because um you know I lost the weight and I did do it in quite a linear fashion and it did happen fairly quickly um it is something that I have to really pay attention to every single day even though technically I lost the weight a long time ago Mm -hmm. so I mean I dropped I dropped that much weight in about the space of a year when I was in my late twenties. And since then, you know, I've had two children, so I've had quite a lot of weight fluctuation, uh, with pregnancy. Um, I've also had, um, you know, like stuff, life happens. (laughs) Um, and you know, I am not going to pretend that my weight has remained stable since my late twenties. I wasn't 21 stone and then nine stone and I've stayed that way. Um, (laughs) I, that's absolutely not the case at all. Um, you know, I was 21 stone and I've never been that heavy again, but it is very, very hard to, to not have to put effort into it every day. Mm -hmm. Um, in the same way, and I, you know, I think we'll talk about it later. In the same way that uh, when you go sober after a, a long time of depending on any kind of substance, you know, and that's a massive range of things it can be. Some people, you know, with the sugar thing, um, but when you have that kind of dependency, then it is every day, you know, and you have to have behaviours that you follow in order to keep yourself on the track that you want to be on. And some days I fuck the whole eating thing arguably. But you know, it's I'm doing better than I did and I try to do better every day. It's but it's hard, you know, I <laughs> I still have the appetite of someone who was twenty one stone. <laughs> I and I genuinely believe I do. Like I could if I'm left to my own devices and I'm not mindful, then I can quite happily get through 7,000 calories a day. Well, probably in one sitting, to be fair. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I get that. I'm with you on that. Don't worry. We're, 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 we're right. But it's like, you know, it is that level of mindfulness. It's like, okay, so 
I know that I am prone to these behaviors and I need to one, be kind to myself and not beat myself up if I have like, you know, a packet of biscuits, but two, be aware that actually, yeah, I do need to put the effort in. Otherwise I do go that way. And it's about wellness for me now, much more than when back in the day, all I could think about was being thin. I just want to be thin. I just want to be thin because then, you know, people will take me more seriously or they will think I'm great more or that I will get more love, you know, but now I'm just aware of the fact that at heavier weights, I feel like shit. I can't get around like I want to get around. Everything hurts. Like I feel crappy. My skin looks crap. Like, you know, I want, I want to be well and I want to feel well. And so now I'm motivated from a different place, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. People love that. Like, yeah. How long ago was that then, Joe? I was just going to ask then. Was that a, so you said from your late 20s, really? Yeah. So, so kind of, yeah, my late 20s um, was when I first kind of dropped yeah. quite significantly. And then I bounced back up. Like in my pregnancies, I was, you know, I was a good 15 stone carrying the blighters around. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think it's, it's, we have to be realistic about the fact that, you know, yes, some people have a stable weight their whole lives and they don't think about food or have any kind of issues right and some people do (laughs) and constantly feeling like you should be one way or another is not helping the issue you know there needs to be like a an element of compassion in the middle somewhere where it's kind of like yes i am prone to this but i can overcome it like this um, but being aware of that being a fairly constant, um, I don't want to call it a battle, but yeah. it is, you yeah. know, I, I think it's important not to phrase it like a struggle, but yeah. it, you know, it is something that is an ongoing. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think maybe one thing you touched on there, Joe, sorry, Greg, I was going to say, just touched on one there is about the environment. Sometimes that you're just in a, Depend in an in a internal environment, maybe what's if you're under stress in some way or, or in an environment where you don't, there's you don't have maybe I don't like the word use in control what's around or what sometimes you, you just don't, but something can just trigger you and you know, this and, is the set you off without by being aware of it. Like, we learn, don't we? And so, you yeah. know, every day we have challenges and they're different. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you might bounce along, like doing fine. I'm, you know, like not even thinking twice about um, what it takes to kind of get through the day. And other times we're faced with much greater challenges where we might suddenly revert to previous behaviors, which, Mm. you know, we haven't even thought about for six months or two years or whatever. And then, you know, you find yourself in that situation where you're like, Oh my God, I'm acting like, you know, I don't know how to deal with this. And that's really what it comes down to, isn't it? Is that these, you know, we revert to old behaviors that are comfortable, even if they're not, you know, they're familiar, they're not comfortable. It's just that we're used to doing something. And, you know, as long as you can kind of continuously call yourself out on these things, you're in a position to continuously adapt and to change and to overcome these issues. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, sometimes that self-awareness is a drain in itself. You know, you've got to like constantly be like, oh, why did I do that? Yeah. And then you realize why you did it. It's like, really? Again? Okay, fine. Let's go back and let's, let's try again. Let's do it different yeah. this time. Yeah, yeah. And I think we do catch ourselves, don't we, going, oh, that's why I did that. And that's why we are you know what actually was at the start of it. But unless you actually, you know, you've got to note those things down, you've got to just make a record of something, don't you? Just to, so that you recall it in some way. Yeah, sometimes so that, it's like a treasure hunt. Sometimes <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. You're like, oh, I was having a perfectly great day. I was having a perfectly <laughs> great day. I don't understand what occurred, you know. Um, there are just there are so many things I think that you have to take into account. Um, that as I've had a coach myself now since oh I think nearly ten years I've been with her and she's awesome and she's helped me through so many things and she's taught me so many things about people and you know ultimately we're so similar like all of us, we, we share such similarities. And one of those, I think, is the belief that we're on our own <laughs> mm. and that we don't. And uh, overcoming that feeling has been really instrumental to me for, you know, growing is actually finding that connection with other people. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, cool. A, a, just a quick question. So one of the things I think really touched a nerve of me is, that yeah you have to constantly do this stuff like you can't just go i've hit my goal weight yeah let's break out the champagne and <laughs> um i mean hey when you do that by all means break out the champagne but by the same token it needs to be a conscious part of your day to think about you know am i going to do some training today am i going to eat well today and you have to do that consistently you can't just ever really stop it as it were consistency is everything isn't it and it i think it doesn't even matter what area of life you're talking about consistency is the only thing that's ever going to get you any kind of result because even if what you're doing is very small the consistency eventually adds up to whatever result it is that you're after um and it's so much more important to instead of these grand gestures that you know people invest in like Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do everything at once. I'm going to give up all the things I love, and uh, I'm going to live an dear life. And here I am with my pledge to puritanical living. <laughs> and they popped it up in two and a half weeks. When yeah. they just pitch one little thing, maybe every couple of weeks. If they just taken small steps, but they're taking them all the time. That's, you know, that's so much more important to actually getting to where it is that you want to go, regardless of what the goal is. Yeah. You know, we all speak from experience of that as well. Like we've all done, you know, that it, and it's the classic way. Because I used to, I, you know, I, I would sometimes refer to people that have, you know, maybe a history of like on and off diet and things like that. And they'll go for this big all swing and it's almost like on a pendulum. And I was like, going, you're going through the process of trying to find where you're, you're, your meet happy medium. I don't want to say happy, but where your middle ground is, mm-hmm. and uh, and and that's what most of the time it is. You go one way, and then you go back the other, and you go up. But I think a lot of until you come to that standstill where you're. A lot of people, especially women, they're trying to get themselves a bit of wiggle room, so they're trying actively to get as far down the scale as possible, 
you know, so that like, oh, well, if I do then have a chocolate cake for breakfast, I've got, you know, six or seven pounds to play with. Even though they necessarily want to be that small, they want the safety of knowing that they they can then fall back a bit. But it never works out that way because it goes so far that you can't sustain it. Then you're always going to end up right back where you started, or you know, crying into your biscuits or your. <laughs> You can't make them foggy. No. What's your favorite biscuit? Does anyone have a favorite biscuit? I. I have a really like uh, I, I've got some history with biscuits. <laughs> uh, they are for me, you know. I really believe in like trigger foods, and oh, wow, biscuits for me are a huge trigger for like so many things. But if I was going to choose a biscuit, then it would be like you know one of those cookies that's like really soft in the middle and has okay. loads of chocolate chips in. But the yeah. big one, like don't fuck about with those tiny little Mary lanterns. <laughs> Right, <laughs> <laughs> cookie that resembles a cake probably more than a biscuit. Yeah, like, yeah those Millie's ones, aren't they? Yeah, Millie's cookies. cookies. Yeah, that's right. When and if we're going cookies. all the way, let's let's warm it up and melt some ice cream on it. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> no. <laughs> well. <laughs> I was just gonna be really boring. <laughs> Sorry, I have a I have a favorite biscuit because it just reminds me of childhood. But my mum used to always have ginger nuts in. So, so. oh wow, that's that's basic biscuit. I'm a favorite. Yeah, uh-huh. I do like them. And <laughs> with butter on top as well, actually. What butter on top as well? The butter. <laughs> <laughs> <Put> butter. <laughs> Did you hear that? Did I say that right? <laughs> That's that's a mic drop, right? <laughs> I literally I don't know what to do with this information. <laughs> Trust me, it's just it's revolutionary. I, I have a bunch of weirdos on this podcast. <laughs> right, <laughs> back to it. <laughs> Joe's um, mind blown. Great. <laughs> I, there are things that you there are things you think you're going to encounter during this kind of interview, and that was not one of them. Yeah, I did not not expect that today, Gillian. That's cool. There you go. Back on track. Oh dear. So, Joe, I I believe that you've got some other demons that you've overcome over the years. Well, like you know, like I said before, it's one day at a time. And uh, yeah, I um, I was a big drinker. Um, In fact, pretty much. If uh, if it goes in your mouth, I have had a problem with it. Um, <laughs> when it comes to, when it comes to uh, alcohol, keep it straight. <laughs> yeah, you know, leave it there, my friend. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh when when I was a teenager and I first like uh, started drinking, yeah, um, I never. I was never one for the. We'll have a, a quiet glass of wine or a single beer. Um, and I learned binge drinking from an early age. And I think that's pretty normal for a lot of teenagers and a lot of kids at university. You know, I think we live in a binge drinking culture. We, well, we live in a binging culture full stop. Like, you know, (laughs) Netflix, (laughs) who watches half an hour of Netflix and leaves that behind. Like, you know, the thing is. I did the other day. Yeah. All right. Mr. Control. It 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 was only once. It will never happen again. (laughs) 
That's not um, the norm for him, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right? um, yeah. And, you know, I, I always drank in quite a damaging way. And, you know, when I left university, I didn't really stop. Um, but I didn't see it as an issue because I just really thought that everybody drank in the same way as me. Um, and as I got older, I realised that I was, you know, I was still getting into pickles and scrapes is probably the understatement of the century, but, um, it wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for my health. And, um, it continued to a level that became unacceptable and unsustainable. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was thinking about drinking if I wasn't drinking and I was engineering all my social situations around drinking and I was excusing it in situations where probably a lot of other people wouldn't excuse it. Um, you know, and I was just, I was living a life that was becoming less and less meaningful. Okay. Wow. Oh, sorry. It's just oh. done something. Hold on. Okay. Right. The meeting no longer than time, <laughs> so don't worry about that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I felt things were becoming less and less meaningful and more and more destructive. So, you know, my health was affected. Um, I, you know, was not training well. I was not eating well. I was feeling terrible. And I had become just utterly dependent on alcohol for celebration for commiseration for you know oh I survived a day at work I deserve a glass of wine and it was never really a glass it was always a bottle you know and Mm -hmm. I I couldn't do it anymore I was hurting a lot of the people around me I did some terrible things um which you can read about on my blog. Um, <laughs> you know, I was not a happy Joe. It was, it was a dark time. And it wasn't until I quit drinking that I realized how dark it was. Um, because I genuinely didn't think that, that, that you could exist without booze. I really, really didn't. And the thought of giving it up used to make me literally spit my drink out because I was that person who, you know, if you said to me, oh no, I don't drink. I'd be like, why loser? Oh my God, your life must be shit. Um, And I really honestly did believe that. Um, And now I'm that loser. And uh, I fucking love my life now. (laughs) I am so glad. I quit drinking because it has changed my perspective on everything. Absolutely everything. And then how, how did you go about it? Like, was it, what, what, like, when did you, or why did you decide on day one? And then what help or support, or did you need any? Or I've been aware for, um, for a while that my drinking was causing problems in my life. And, I'd had a few periods where I had knocked it on the head for a bit. Um, and then I kind of would go back to it. I, you know, I wasn't committing myself to not drinking because I wanted to keep drinking. Um, and 
so what would happen is I would then get back into it and tell myself I could moderate. I can't, <laughs> um, you know, and I would, so I would try, I'd be like, oh, well, I'll just drink uh, cider um, because uh, wine, obviously I'm allergic to wine or something in wine. So, I'll, you know, I'll just do that or I'll, I'll just make sure I only drink at the weekend or I'll just make sure I only drink in this certain social situation or I'll just make sure I only drink when it's not someone's birthday because I go overboard. And, you know, I had all these like rules that I tried out that never worked because I always went back to just getting shit faced and getting in trouble. And um, one night uh, I had an incredibly um, unpleasant experience um, you know, I don't think, I don't think this interview is probably the place to go into what happened, but yeah. you know, when you wake up in the morning and you realize that everything has changed because of your own actions, you know, and I, I knew that morning that if I didn't stop drinking, I was going to die. And it wasn't like I was going to die from, you know, like those men with the, like big noses who are like old and red faced and, you know, they're, <laughs> they're, you know, slowly their liver's falling out of their ass and, you know, their life is like just generally really unpleasant over a really long time until they eventually just like vomit one last time and that's it. Right. That isn't how I was going to die. I was going to get myself into a situation where I was like, I don't know, run over or fell off a bridge or, you know, passed out in the middle of winter and froze to death. You know, it was going to be like a sudden horrible end or I was going to kill myself because my mood got so low when I was drinking that I simply didn't have any hope or any uh, kind of optimism in the future i you know i think we don't talk enough about how alcohol affects people's mood mm -hmm. and you know especially when people are taking antidepressants in conjunction with alcohol it can have some really really bad side effects yeah. and you know i just it was it was a moment just a moment where i suddenly i just knew it was going to kill me and I wanted to live more than I wanted to die. And uh, so I made the decision that day not to drink again. And that was 15 months ago today. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you very much for sharing that with us, Joe. Like, you know, I'm just even here. I'm getting prickles on my skin. Just I can imagine it's just, yeah. Like you say, it's, it's, you're living the best life at the minute. And, well, and I wrote a post on one time about it because it's like I wrote one time alcohol is the only drug that people don't want you to give up right isn't it it's, it's because it's become so socially acceptable as well but and I also saw that sometimes people you know or what I've seen as well is that the opposite of hangover is not sobriety it's freedom right so, which I thought was very very um a different perspective of thinking about it actually because and this is the thing your perspective changes on everything mm -hmm. you know i for me like it was a very um it was a massive wake-up call actually seeing how different my life 
became when I stopped drinking because I, you know, I just believed that I was the life and soul of the party. I thought I was like super interesting and super sociable. And, you know, I just thought it was enhancing uh, my ability, you know, to overcome difficult situations and to uh, be brave when I needed to be brave. And, you know, I could make friends easier. And actually, I found that talking to people is a lot easier when I am sober. And I found that connecting with people is a lot more meaningful now I'm sober. And I've just found that the people, you know, the the level and quality of interaction that I have with people now, including my family, my children, like, you know, it's a whole different way of living. Whereas before I was just so consumed by that desire to keep drinking and to find the next party and to, you know, I thought it's what made me feel alive, but really it was doing quite the opposite. And, you know, I'm not saying that everyone should give up drinking, but Mm. I can't moderate my alcohol consumption and therefore I need to quit. And there are lots of people like me, you know, Mm. and if you know you can't stop at one, then you really need to not start at one. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there's a point you guys touched on there, which was about alcohol being that socially accepted drug that people say, Oh no, you don't have to give that up, carry on. But I think you're right that people rarely have one glass of wine. Like it's like that half an hour Netflix. No one does it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> one glass of wine, you're like, oh, might as well just have another one. And it creeps up on you. You just don't realize it. Um, yeah. And I've often had that with clients in the past where they're like, oh, well, yeah, I have one. And I'm like, are you sure? Well, it was two. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody measures, like, pro- like, what measure measures at home do they? Either? <laughs> no, you, you know, no. you're at home, you're yeah why why does the bottle of tin last so long at the pub and not at home (laughs) yeah they must be different sizes oh yeah the glasses are different it's different atmosphere or something and the the gin dictates (laughs) in the pub or something i don't know but yeah i think that's right that alcohol is it's so quickly doesn't it yeah and and just you know like you said joe the, you know any transformation so whether it's it's a body one or changing you know changing something substantial like that in your life is you've got to be ready for it because it's gonna mean lots of different relationships will change lots of different things people will leave your life basically because of it or, yeah, or come into it as well or you know there, so there's going to be a change in some way as well and you've got to be I suppose ready for that, you know, ready to. Yeah, I think the thing um, that surprised me most is I kind of thought, it's like when you have kids, right? So you, <laughs> I think the first time you have a child, you think, oh, my life will just carry on like normal, but there'll be an extra person. <laughs> and it, it's not like that at all. Like, oh, it's so far from that. It's unbelievable. But it's the same with like quitting drinking is that you think, oh, my life will just carry on as normal. Um, it's just there won't be alcohol in it and actually it does work differently you know and I am specifically talking about if you have an issue with your consumption 
um, I do, I do accept that there are people who don't drink in a problematic way, but Mm. when you do, you know, and you stop, your life does have to change because there are habits there which have to change in the same way that, you know, when I was 21 stone, there were habits that I had then that I can't have now because, you know, it's, uh, it's that whole thing about when you, uh, when you behave in the same way, you can't expect different results. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so very true. Simply, simply putting down the glass and carrying on sitting in the pub, like for five hours every night or, um, you know, having my whole life revolving around sitting down, drinking soft drinks, as it's never going to go that way, is it? You have to change the whole the whole way that you're thinking about stuff. And, you know, ultimately, life is more productive now because I'm not entirely focused on something that I'm consuming. And that is really what it boils down to. You know, that I, I don't think it's any coincidence that I have you know, this lack of moderation issue with food and with alcohol. I think, you know, there is, um, it's a pattern of behavior in me, which is, um, it's an ongoing project of, which is taking time to sort out. And, you know, that desire to just, just always have more, um, you know, manifests itself in my life in lots of different ways. But the more I can avoid numbing the way that I feel with these behaviors, the more I can move away from them. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Sounds like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not an easy journey, I guess, for a lot of people. And to think that it's, I suppose at this time of the year as well, there'd be a lot of people that maybe have, you know, do dry January as well, you know, myself included. Well, not particularly because it's January, but because I just knew I wanted to take a break anyhow. So um, I actually, apart from one weekend when I had family here and there's a bottle, <laughs> not because of the family, but because it's an occasion and we were all having dinner and I thought, does anybody want a glass of wine? It just went on. <laughs> that, but nobody did. So I was like, okay, then, you know, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to sit here, open a bottle of wine and drink it on my own. So, but that was the only time. But if, aside from that, I don't, I'm kind of like, oh. Not the end of January. I'm going, okay, feels all right. Feels good. So, and I've, I've done it before a few times that, you know, when I have a lot of stuff going on that I would, um, I just know that, you know, at the weekends and think, I just can't, I can't afford to, not, to lose that motivation time or move that, you know, doing things. Yeah. Because my head's a bit foggy and a bit tired and a bit groggy and I can't think clearly. I'm like, it's, it doesn't, doesn't lend itself to what I'm trying to achieve, you know? So it's like, yeah. So, so I do kind of forgo sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. But it's like that. It's like, you don't want, you think you're going to be boring and then you don't think anyone's going to want to talk to you anymore because. <laughs> but even, even if you look at the way that alcohol is advertised, right? It's always alcohol in a party setting. So it almost lends itself to being, well, if you haven't got a glass in your hand, you're boring. And then people come up to you in the pub and go, where's your cup? Where's your glass? I'm like, I've just finished three in a row. But here's another <laughs> one. And you're like, yeah, I can't take anymore. But that's, that's probably half the problem, isn't it? Is how first it's advertising and it, that kind of carries on in social situations, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, I think I, there's obviously a lot of money to be made, isn't there? And wherever, 
you know, the, the fact is, if you're marketing an addictive substance, then you want to make sure people are getting as much in as they possibly can. <laughs> so, you know, I think that permeates our culture, you know, quite significantly. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think Dry January is great because it gives people the chance to, you know, step outside of that temporarily um, to, and they see, you know, a lot of different things in different ways. And I think it works differently for a lot of people, but I know a lot of people who've started a dry January and carried on um, because they didn't actually realize how much extra time they were going to have until they had it. And then they're like, Oh shit. I've been wasting a lot of time just doing this, you know, and I know other people who find dry January completely unbearable. Um, and I would say that maybe there's a case there for dry February. <laughs> <laughs> and dry March. <laughs> dry April. Just, just yeah. give yourself a good run at it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Before, right? the, the fact is, like, if you drink 11 months instead of 12 months of the year, then that's, that's going to have some good effect on your body, isn't it? And maybe if it makes you think differently about your consumption habits, then that's got to be a positive thing as well. Mm. And, you know, some people use it to raise money for charity. So that's a beautiful thing. Yep. Um, so really what's not to love about dry January? Oh, unless you run a pub, then it's got to fuck you up. <laughs> yeah. But if, you, if you run a pub or a bar, then, yeah. like... then it's like, I'm sorry, lime and soda's a fiver. Yeah. <laughs> In London they are, right? <laughs> so don't worry. Yeah. Well, imagine it. Well, imagine it. Cool. Yeah, because you know there is a big. You do see, like you know, the likes of one year no beer. So there is like a huge change, I think, and socially anyhow for for people to. I think we're looking at it quite. Take a break, shall we say? That's how they like to say. It. Just, just take a break. Don't say I'm stopping or I'm going. You know, no hard stops. Just try it out. Take a break. Yeah. Well, you know, the fact is, like, I didn't quit until I'd already had a number of oh I'm taking some time off you know and mm. and it wasn't ever my intention to stop in those time offs mm. you know so I think just what whatever works for your wellness is you know what it always comes back to if you feel more well doing less of something regardless of what it is then you should probably go with that because your wellness is really the only thing that is worth working for in the long run. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Wholeheartedly. But I guess it's getting people to see that, um, which is obviously the problem. And they often oh, yeah. don't see it until I call it the rusty nail syndrome. It's like you've got this nail in your hand and you can either take it out to stop drinking and stop eating crap food all the time, whatever that might be. But it's, it, it's going to hurt. So you leave it in. It gets deeper. It gets deeper until one day. Go <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've got to chop it off in a minute if you don't take it out. And then everyone goes, all right, then deep breath. <laughs> and they scream. But I, find, I think that's the big, the big challenge. For I, you know what, though? You do scream. You do scream. And it does hurt a bit more, but for a short time. Mm. Like, and this is, that's really, that's such a great analogy. I love that. And I will be screaming it. And I will not tell anyone I've done this podcast. So that is my... <laughs> um, no, that is such, such a good analogy. Yes, that's exactly. Yeah, any kind of behavior change, I think, is like that. 
because we do get used to feeling like shit but because we're used to feeling that way you don't you don't want to change that because it might it might be more shit elsewhere um but if you know i think we always know if a change is what we are meant to undertake and when you do know that you really you know as hard as it is it's always worth doing because it does heal it does heal even if the nail was big (laughs) <laughs> exactly. you know it, it's your immune system's rock hard you're fine you're going, yeah. oh yeah you don't get it. <laughs> carry on carry on awesome so awesome. um joe what, what's your kind of training like and stuff at the minute what are you how you how do you train because that's always one i like to ask people right well you know i have an ideal training regime which <laughs> i'm currently not actually able to do because that's i cool. haven't been very well um so physically i have i have quite a lot um of training restrictions um because uh because i am (laughs) i was gonna say because i am a cripple and then i thought you know what that is really politically incorrect and i apologize um because it's it's also not really the case but anyway (laughs) um right now all i'm doing is just walking as much as i can Okay. which I know is not what anyone wants to hear because that is not a glamorous training schedule. Um, but that is realistically all I can undertake at the moment. Um, and I think it's hard when you've gone from training really hard to being injured or being ill and you have to take this like sudden step back from your regime. It's really, really hard not to be very, very unkind to yourself about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a really good exercise for me in uh self-compassion like really giving myself the time and the space to heal in the ways that i need to um and i've you know i've found that i am providing a lot of obstacles to my own kindness to myself you know um because that's you know i used to the, i mean jillian knows you know when we were training together um for me that was like my optimum kind of training schedule where we're strength training three or four times a week and then uh lots of for me lots of walking i love walking is like one of my favorite forms of like pretty much anything because you know one you've got exercise you've got headspace you've got a bit of nature like fresh air fuck walking is the best thing ever so you know i would (laughs) I would say like, even if, and you know, I currently only have that, but even if that's all you can do, it's worth doing because it ticks so many boxes. Oh, vitamin D. Yeah. The benefit is, is literally endless. Um, but yeah, ideally I'd love to be doing what we were doing last June, but, uh, I can't right now. So that's, (laughs) um, but hopefully you'll get, get there get back yeah, yeah. um and you, you we're always going to have these obstacles and you've got you've got to work around them as best you can and you know what sometimes you're going to have times where you can't train at all or sometimes you're going to have times where you you just can't do everything in exactly the way you want to do it and you know that's when we have to be resilient and flexible and we have to draw on all those things that we learned when the going was good and that's yeah. why you know, it's so important to put the time into helping yourself when things are going well, rather than waiting for it all to crash around your ears and then go, well, now I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. 
Definitely. Absolutely. Great message, great message. So um, what about now with your coaching, you know, who who do you like to work with, Joe, or who do you have sorts of clients in that that you work with? Um, so I have um, a number of online clients that I work with on a like a coaching call basis. So we take wellness as a um, like a complete spectrum. Um, so we talk about food and we talk about exercise and we talk about um, well-being, um, coping strategies, again, resilience, that sort of thing. And also things like boundary setting and, you know, ways to um, interact with the world in a more productive way. Um, I, I, that's, that side of things I find really, really fulfilling because I like to be, you know, I, I love the pursuit of wellness, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I've spent a lot of time being really disillusioned with the diet industry and the fitness industry and, you know, all of the things that go alongside the kind of ingrained negativity of those industries. Um, so for me with my online coaching clients, the opportunity to work with people on that deeper level where we're talking about their life as a whole and making everything work better so that they're able to, you know, and I hate the phrase live their best life, but that is really what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah. actually getting more out of your life by being more well. Yeah. Looking after yourself enough that you can look after everybody else. Um, so, that's where I'm focusing moving my business. I do a bit of talking about sobriety. And uh, so I've been doing that at a retreat in Ibiza, which runs in April and October called Yoga Fit Retreats. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, I love talking about sobriety because it's something I really believe in. <laughs> um, and I think that, you know, it has benefits, you know, across the board like regardless even if you only have a glass of wine if you're having it because you feel sad then there's something that can be worked on there you know um it's not alcohol is not a cure for anything no and it's it doesn't make anything better but it will usually make things worse (laughs) (laughs) Um, i think there's you know there's i want to do more more work like that and i you know i like I just love helping people, but I like helping them in a broad way, if that makes sense. I still do my PT work at the gym, um, but I'm not as focused on that exclusively now. Um, okay. Because, you know, a lot of that is, it is quite image focused. Um, and that's not really where I see myself going now. You know, I, my journey has taught me that when you are only following that kind of image ideal, when you're constantly obsessing about how you look or how something looks or what everybody thinks it looks like, then really that's a road to hell because no good is ever going to come out of that because it's that impossible quest. You know, people will take the piss out of you if you're too thin, they'll take the piss out of you too fat too fat they'll take the preserve you if you walk a funny way like you know you need to really focus on how you're feeling like do you feel good are you reacting healthily to situations do you feel comfortable in situations are you confident you know these things matter so much more than oh 
well, did I lose half a pound because I did a big wee? <laughs> or because I've lost half a pound of body fat? You know, this is the thing. It's just, uh, I, I like feeling that I've really helped someone rather than they've looked at the scale for five seconds and felt validated. Yeah. You're, you're a person after my own heart. I think, yeah, I often encounter that. And I, one of my friends is a PT says that personal trainers, the good ones are the most qualified life coaches in the world, actually, because I think <laughs> they do impact so many other areas of their lives. So they come into us or someone like Julian or yourself and they want to lose weight, but they don't, they want to be more confident. They want to feel healthier. They just want to live their best life. I hate that saying, but that's what it is. <laughs> that's what we do. And I think you're telling yeah, you know, I think often because we're taught that we should be so insecure about our bodies and our body image. I think often when something we, when we feel that desire to change something in our lives, that's our kind of instant go-to. Oh, you know, you feel that something is wrong. Something needs to change. And you instantly just presume that it's you and your appearance that needs to change. I didn't get that job because I look this way. I didn't, you know, that guy didn't go out with me because of the way I look or, you know, all of these things. But in actual fact, it comes down to how you feel about yourself, you know, and how you look is always going to change. And that was something like I really didn't get my head around until like really recently. Like, it doesn't matter what you look like when you're 20 or when you're 30, when you're 40, whatever. <laughs> it's always going to change. You're never going to, like, nobody is going to look the same for their whole life, you know? And weight fluctuation or your hair falling out, you know, like everything changes. Yeah. So if you're comfortable and you're confident and you're happy with who you are, then all of those exterior things kind of fall by the wayside, you know? And if you feel well and you feel able, here I am talking about wellness and I'm more like, oh yeah. And if you can fight illness, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's, it's your responsibility to, you know, have as much internal wellness as you can and that includes your mental health you know if you and then you can pass these things on to your friends and your family and you can look after other people you know we give so much away sometimes that we forget how to look after ourselves yeah amen amen to that and i think yeah to touch on that as well though but i, I think it comes from a, a process absolutely you know but i think sometimes everyone wants to start maybe with with their their body so you know that's the first place like you said joe that people go to and maybe that's that's something that they have to go through to be able to get to figure out oh that that wasn't the thing i needed after all but i've done it now so what is the next thing i need to do it starts off like a distraction you know i think that it's kind of like oh yeah well i'll just i'll really work on this and then everything's going to be okay um and sometimes it takes for me it did anyway a really painful lesson of oh well that hasn't had any effect on the things that I was upset about (laughs) I've been literally every weight you could possibly imagine (laughs) and (laughs) the things that affect me or you know have affected me or have um deeply upset me on that you know really um gut-wrenching level weren't really anything to do with how I looked or how much I weighed um 
you know, issues I had with like anxieties and confidence issues were still there after I lost all the weight, you know. And so for me, yeah, it was a process where I actually had to, I had to learn it the hard way. And I think people do, (laughs) you know, I think you need to go through it in order to see what else can change and how much you're capable of. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, by no means am I saying that PT isn't worthwhile. That's not, not at all what I'm saying. Because the thing is, I think as well, things like strength training engender so much um, new self-belief in people. You know, they learn so much about what, they are capable of and what they can achieve and what they can get through and also it develops like that connection a reconnection often for people like between their mind and their body that they don't have for a really long time because they don't know what their body can do and they suddenly find they are doing things that they never thought their body was going to do you know and I, that's fucking brilliant like, <laughs> That's Love the <laughs> yeah. side of, of, you know, physical fitness training mm. that, you know, I think we lose sight of when we're always fixated on that body goal, body goal, body goal. You know, yeah. we, we forget like exercise is, you know, some people haven't exercised their whole lives. You know, they haven't ever been in a gym or like gone for a run. You know, they're 30, 40 years old and they start doing it and they realize they're feeling good. Like this is, you know, a new experience, which is showing them a different way of life. Mm. And that, you know, we should really be focusing on those benefits, you know, that it, it will change your life if you, you know, do it consistently. You take it easy to start with, like, um, but, you know, it gives you a self-empowerment that sometimes you're not, you're not finding in other areas of your life but it will then have a knock-on effect. And, you know, it is a fantastic tool for people. And I think it's really underrated. Mm, definitely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. hell I couldn't yeah. agree more. Okay. <laughs> it's worth it. All right. For all of us. And yeah, absolutely. You know, I've had the biggest change when I actually did start strength training properly. Like it was definitely, you know, that was a few years ago. So absolutely. I'm all, all about getting the women. <laughs> get in the gym guys or what well, or find your way it doesn't have to be a gym but yeah some people yeah even doing yeah, body well, stuff like body weight yeah. stuff it's, yeah whatever works isn't it you know yeah. the fact is like an active life whatever the activity is you know one that will have benefits you know in all the other areas of, of your existence you know that i think one of the most damaging things is our society's tendency to eradicate activity from our daily lives. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't do enough generally because we don't have to. Um, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'll come home <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, I need that thing from upstairs, but who can be <laughs> And you get all that, don't you? Oh, you're a personal trainer. And I'm like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to go upstairs but why would I but you know this is the thing we've got lifts and escalators and you know a car park in front of every shop like why you know we don't need to go anywhere anymore or do anything Tesco comes to you and other yeah. supermarkets obviously <laughs> you know it's, it, it's easy not to do anything mm-hmm. and 
you know, we're human beings. Like if it's easy, then duh. Yeah, I'll have it the easy way. Thanks very much. And I think sometimes we just, we need to give ourselves that poke and that little override switch where it's like, yes, that is the easiest way, but I do need to do it a little bit harder. (laughs) You know, know. just because it can be easier doesn't mean it has to be, but it doesn't have to be the other extreme either. You know, you don't, right. Well, it doesn't have to be 24 hour beast mode. Like there's a time and place. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's all about the balance, isn't it? So, ah, here yeah, we are. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think you touched on a point there about it's just this in, enabling a more sedentary lifestyle. Like even even our kitchens and everything are designed now, everything's at eye level or, or chest level. You know, you don't even have to get down on the ground for the dishwasher anymore. You know, it's like everything's raised up. So yeah. you're not even going to have toilet seats that are going to raise up and down so you don't even need to sit. And- <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, anyway. And then the conversation took a turn. <laughs> oh, the, Anyhow. You are crazy. Right. <laughs> Everyone's speechless. And on that note. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get. Uh, Ginger nut biscuits with butter on it. Oh God, I'd forgotten about that. I'd blocked that from my mind. Can't believe that's what everyone would trade that. Oh no. No, no, no. Oh no. no. <laughs> who's, who's your mate? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. I know it works. <laughs> this is I'm good. Fine. I'm fine. I like my things. But have you ever done it in public? Like, do, do other people do this too? Or is it just you? Don't want in public. That was going to go wrong right there. <laughs> oh, Lord. Butter and a ginger nut. What? <laughs> no, I can't say I've done it in public, but... <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I think if you had, then you'd already know that it was very, very wrong. You've never put butter on biscuits. No, you put butter on crackers or bread. <laughs> Even rich tea, rich tea as well. You can make a little sandwich. No? I've spent my whole life fighting binge eating. I've never put butter on a biscuit. And now I'm like, God, imagine Sorry. how bad it would if I had. <laughs> <laughs> I better end this conversation now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want to be held responsible for anything, that's all. Joe needs to come back at some point after she's tried ginger nut with butter on it and let us know her experience. Honestly, it, it's, anyhow, that's my vibe. <laughs> I don't want to be racist, but like, is it an Irish thing? Maybe it's just my family, I don't know now. <laughs> I've got a whole bunch of Irish clients that I'm going to see later this afternoon. Why am I ask them? <laughs> you know, no. This could be a whole episode in itself. Oh hell! Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how do you how do you biscuit? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it depends on what kind of biscuit it is because there are several different eating biscuit protocols. <laughs> but but butter on them, like I honestly, I I've put peanut butter on a biscuit. 
Craig rolls his eyes at this. No. <laughs> I have a thing for F words, right? I noticed this. Oh my God, I have a thing for F words. <laughs> F words. Oh, did you say F word? <laughs> F. F <laughs> but I really want to go with that too. <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> Right. Okay. It, it's sorry, guys. Anyone that's listening, it's clearly the the it's the lilt, <laughs> the language. There's a language barrier, but the um, <laughs> yeah, F word. So okay, the letter F words. It kind of shows up. I, I noticed recently that it shows up a lot. You know, for example, this is the Fit and Fabulous podcast, and and in my coaching, I talk about food, fitness, and freedom. Is my kind of three core values in my coaching. Um, programs so i like to ask our guests what what's your favorite f word you see that's a great question and the thing is obviously we all know what i want to say why does everyone want to say that (laughs) oh i'm not going to say it i'm going to choose a different one um i saw a i saw a meme the other day and I'm going to take it from this, okay? So, it said, if when I drink alcohol, people call me an alcoholic, why, when I drink Fanta, do people not call me fantastic? <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with fantastic. Awesome. I like it, I like it, I like it. All right. uh, well done, Joe. Love it. <laughs> Topical, too. That was amazing, as if it was scripted. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> wow. Oh, dear. Well done. The things that I can come up with when I'm trying not to say fuck. <laughs> I knew she was going to get it in there sometime. I was waiting. I'm <laughs> <laughs> so disappointed we don't share a thing about airports. <laughs> I am going to come back and find out about that one, though. So cool, right? Well, I think I'll wrap it up there, Joe. Thanks very much for for jumping on, and you know, it's been absolutely enjoyable. And I think hopefully anyone that does listen in will will have as much fun listening to it as what we've had doing this. So, oh, awesome! A- thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Leslie. That has been brilliant. I've enjoyed it. Oh, it's so nice to talk to both of you. I don't know if I can recover from some of it, but yeah, I'll be okay. I'll make it through. I'll so <laughs> oh, awesome. This will be number four and the last one, probably. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. All right, ladies. Thank you. That was awesome. Thanks. Thank you, guys. See you. Bye, guys.